Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. What's up, everybody? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's date is November 20th. It's a Monday. It's bright and early. It's 7.31 a.m. on Monday. I recorded an episode yesterday. Um, see, we had a little bit of a hiccup. If you remember last week, my buddy Colin came in here and he co-hosted the podcast with me and it was great. We had a great time and people really seemed to love it. It's still the most downloaded podcast I've ever had. Um, I think right now we're at like 400 something downloads and I felt great about it and we were going to do the same thing yesterday, but life happened. Colin had some things pop up. So I had to uh, kind of run with it on my own. And I, I messed around yesterday and I didn't really like what I came up with. And so I, I spent last night sort of thinking of some interesting topics for me to talk about. So I came in here nice and early and uh, we're going we're gonna to get through it. Before I get started, please let me just go through my, uh, my bit. Let me remind everybody to please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating. If you're enjoying the work that I'm doing, that's the best thing you can do to support the podcast. Um, I, and also, I want to hear like your honest feedback. I know that I have room to improve. So if uh, if you want to leave a rating and, and let me know some things that you like and maybe some things that you think I could improve upon, that would be really great. Also, I have to take the time to remind everybody about Stadzi Themes. Is getting launched in a few hours. What happens is I own a web design agency, StadziMedia.com. And over the course of the last couple of years, I've come across a, a real problem that I see. And that problem is for small business owners, people that may have a brick and mortar s- shop or are just kind of solo entrepreneurs, or maybe they're selling some products from a website. And what I found is there's no middle-of-the-road service for web design and web development. There's either real premier agencies like myself and other ones, or there's kind of the drag-and-drop website templates such as Squarespace and Wix. And so what we did is we put together 30 or so themes, which are basically pre-made websites. But since we wrote all the code, we can go in and we can customize them the way you want. So it's way, way, way cheaper, it's way more effective, and it's way more practical for a small business owner's budget. You're, gonna, you're still going to get a custom website. It's still going to be super, super high level. Great design, great development. It's going to work perfect on any device, whether it's a monitor or an iPhone or a tablet or a Samsung, whatever the case may be. And we're, we're putting ourselves in a position where we can be of maximum service to the majority of people who need these kind of services, which is regular folks like you and me, small business owners. So if this is something that interests you, please reach out to me. Even if you have questions, Tim, T-I-M, at Stodzy.com, S-T-O-D-Z-Y.com. The website will be live by the time I publish this pod, hopefully, hopefully by the time I publish this podcast. Um, web development is it's very tricky, so we got to make sure we get it perfect before we launch it, but the service is available. I'm super, super excited about it. 
I know it's great. We've worked really hard on it and we know that it's going to provide a ton of value for people. So now that we got that out of the way, let's get going on the episode. What I want to do is talk about one of my absolute favorite subjects, and that is books. Let me start off by saying that people don't read enough anymore. I know that we all have cell phones and we can watch these YouTube videos and teach ourselves how to do basically anything. But look, knowledge is in books. There's nothing that hasn't been learned or the, a lesson that can't be taught that somebody else hasn't already figured out for you and put in a book. I'm very, very grateful that when I was younger, my parents really advocated reading towards me. I remember when I was a lot younger, uh, there was even a good year and a half or so where I had to read a half an hour every day. And uh, I, I fell in love with reading. I used to wake up really early in, okay, in, in my bedroom, in the house that I grew up in. It was like a really, it was a much older house. And we still had those, um, those old heater vents with like the big clunky square metal heater vents. And my room on the second floor of my bedroom was right above the actual, uh, right above the heater. So it used to shoot straight up the vent. I used to wake up at like five in the morning and uh, sit by the heater vent in the wintertime and grab a blanket and read Goosebumps by uh, R.L. Stein. And uh, because of that, I really just fell in love with reading. And I'm super glad I did because I can honestly say that I've learned more from reading books than I have from really any kind of education that I've received. And that's not knocking education. It's just saying that you don't need to be part of a system to teach yourself things. So what I've done is I've reflected upon the last 31 years of my life, more specifically the last 10 years where I really started this entrepreneurial journey and this this journey of self-development and trying to become a better person in, in all aspects of my life. And I thought about the books that have had the most impact on me, specifically in that regard, in helping myself be a better person and teaching me some new skills or maybe some new frame of minds or some lessons on uh, particular areas that I felt I needed to learn more about. And I've put them together in kind of reverse chronological order. So I have seven books here. I'm going to leave the links to all of these books in the show notes of the... um, of the iTunes podcast itself and the show notes of the blog on Tim Stodd's FM. So if you want to grab a copy of any of these books, you can go directly to Amazon or if I can, oh shit, sorry about that. If I can, I'm going to send a link to uh, the actual page of the website of the author, if possible, to make sure that, that they can receive most of the revenue for the book. But if I find the link on Amazon, I'll, I'll probably send it there as well. So Let's get started. My first book is going to be a little bit um, unconventional in compared to the rest of them because this book is a novel and it is Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. I need to start out by saying that I'm kind of a Chuck Palahniuk fanboy. He's my absolute favorite author. I've read basically all of his books. He's super twisted. He has a really strange and uh, morbid writing style. And in a way, reading him can be like kind of frustrating because he's great at finishing chapters with like a little cliffhanger and then bringing you back to a completely different storyline within the book. Um, More specifically, 
in my opinion, Fight Club is a, a real masterpiece. And the book impacted me for in a, a real specific way. Fight Club is about a lot of things. But mostly, Fight Club is about humanity getting back to the roots of what it is that we're actually made of and how we're primal and how a lot of our urges and a lot of uh, the ways that we behave are still kind of in that lizard brain, right? In, in the amygdala, in your primal brain. And so all of these extra things that we can pay attention to now because we have the time, because we're not worried about, you know, bears coming after us and, and killing us and, you know, lions and uh, we're, we're pretty much safe and we have clothing. We pretty much have all the food that we need. Um, we've, we've sort of lost our way on that end. So Fight Club taught me, or rather it reassured me that I didn't have to part- participate in the really soft fluffy, politically collect world where everybody is afraid to offend anybody else. Um, And that even a level of of physicality and not necessarily fighting, like in the book, the physicality is in fighting, but no one's really out to injure each other. It's more so like uh, people being able to express themselves in a way that isn't always about protecting other people. So after reading Fight Club, it really taught me that I'm not doing anybody any favors by going easy on them. If I offend somebody, um, I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to try to offend somebody. But the point is that it, it, it's, it's all right. The world is rough and that's okay. And it's okay to participate in that. Also, what it taught me is there's a really great quote in that book that the things you own end up owning you. Because again, now that everything is so soft and politically correct and we don't have to necessarily address the primal needs anymore because they're all taken care of, what we do is we reach for these other things like materialism. Um, And that just played a really huge role on me because when I read that and when I saw Tyler Durden, he's one of the main characters in the book, when I saw his outlook and his opinion on on you know some of the tricks that high level marketing plays on us and how it makes us feel like we're not good enough and how if you don't have this thing that you're not as good as another person and and how it's all just how it's all kind of bullshit and it's playing tricks on you and and who you are as a person is really the most important thing in all levels in whatever your definition of success is so I know that I started this list off with a little bit of an unconventional book, but I'm telling you, Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk really, really taught me a lot about myself, about what I cared about, um, about what I wanted to work towards, and also about how I reacted with other people. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you don't have to live your life trying to keep everybody safe and unoffended. Friction is good. Conflict isn't always bad. Conflict creates a lot of really, really amazing things. And Fight Club taught me that. All right, next on the list. This is kind of a double whammy. The Purple Cow by Seth Godin. If you guys don't know who Seth Godin is, I highly suggest... You Google him. You can even go to his blog. Um, I think it's 
sethgodin.typepad.com. He's written a, a blog post every day. He hasn't missed a single day in, I think, 11 years. Something crazy like that. Maybe it's seven years. I'm not really sure. Regardless, it's a really, really long time. And he's written, I think, 12 or 13, maybe more, somewhere in the teens, bestseller marketing books. And his ideas behind marketing really, really introduced me to this media-first marketing technique that I use. So let me elaborate. More specifically in The Purple Cow, Seth Godin talks about how it's better to be different than it is to be better. Because what he wants to do is is avoid the race to the bottom. He wants to avoid, um, or he wants me rather, to avoid putting myself in a position where I'm trying to do the same thing as everybody else. I'm just trying to do it better and usually at a cheaper price. He wants you to differentiate yourself by being different. And the analogy that he uses, um, it's a strange analogy and you read the book and he'll elaborate a little bit, but a purple cow. If you're driving by a ranch and you see a whole bunch of cows and one of them's purple, what's the one that you're going to pay attention to? doesn't necessarily matter that, mean that it's a better cow. It just means that it's a different cow and it's, uh, it's hoarding the attention. And that basically in a nutshell what he's getting at so there's a little caveat to that because Seth Godin's written a lot of books and he also wrote a book called Permission Marketing which is sort of on the same level like all of Seth Godin's books kind of have this same like underlying meaning behind them but Permission Marketing really specified a marketing strategy that um, that provided value to the end user first he argues, and I don't even know if you have to argue this anymore, it just is kind of the world we live in, that everybody needs to at least be somewhat of a media company. Every company needs to be somewhat of a media company because that's, that's the way you get yourself out there now. The traditional advertising model doesn't work the same way that it did. So whether that's video or audio or the written word, creating podcasts like we're doing right now, Every company in some way needs to produce media to build an audience and provide value. And now that you have permission from somebody to essentially send them content, they're already looking forward to what it is that you have to say and being able to sell services or products or, or any revenue generating technique to your audience is going to be a lot easier because you already have their permission. That's why it's called permission marketing. I mean, really read any of Seth Godin's books. He's a, he's a genius. He's an absolute, absolute genius. Um, but in this particular case, the purple cow was the one that had the biggest impact on me because again, it gave, it allowed me to give myself permission to not try to do things like everybody else, that it's okay to be different, that it's okay to take an opposite approach. And in fact, that it's advantageous to take an opposite, to take a, uh, not opposite approach, a different approach and to set myself apart from other people in my own unique way. Next up on the list, a book that I read very recently um, out of all the books on this list, it's by far the one that I read most recently. I, I think I finished reading it like two months ago. It's called Extreme Ownership 
by Jocko Willink and Leif Bobbin. Uh, Jocko Willink, I believe, is the the gets like primary credit for authorship. I don't know exactly how to uh, describe that, but his name is first, and Leif Bobbin is uh, co-wrote the book. And man, like this book really, really hit me because it it put a lot of things into perspective for me. So I'll get right to it. Um, Jocko Willink and Leif Bobbin were both Navy SEALs, and they fought in the battle, the Battle of Ramadi, um, in Iraq. And the Battle of Ramadi is very, very notorious for being like the worst war zone in all of the Middle East. Just IEDs everywhere, and body parts flying around, and car engines being blown up and thrown as big hunks of metal ripping through people, and it was really, really terrible. But the principles that Jocko Willink and Leif Bobbin put into place through leading other men, um, they broke it down into a few leadership principles and they elaborated on them and why they're so important. So this book impacted me for two reasons. One, just because it was very practical. These leadership principles were great. And... um. And I really enjoyed the lessons that I learned from it. But the underlying message behind all of these principles is extreme ownership, which is the title of the book. And what they're, what the idea is that you, or I'll speak for myself, I am responsible for everything in my life. It does not mean that I can control everything. The fact of the matter is that I have very little control over what happens in the world. The only thing I really have control over is my own actions. So because of this, what I need to do is hold myself to such a ridiculously level to such a ridiculous level of accountability that I'm able to take ownership over all of these aspects of my life, whether they're positive or negative. It doesn't mean that when other people do stupid stuff, that you have to take ownership over that, but you do have to take ownership over how it affects you. Everything in your life you are responsible for, whether you can control it or not. And when you get put in, in these bad situations, like the first thing to do is blame somebody else or you know, try to find a way out of it or potentially try to find a scapegoat. And the lessons that I learned through extreme ownership really, really taught me that a leader which I consider myself to be as the leader of my company, but the leader, the guy or gal at the top has to, absolutely has to, it's quintessential that he or she takes extreme ownership over everything and everybody that they're in charge of. They say that shit rolls downhill and I know that there's a lot of truth to that, but in Jocko's mindset and in Leaf's mindset, it's irrelevant because it, it starts and it ends at the top. And then there's still a level of command, right? But the point is that if you build an infrastructure that each level of it can work autonomously, but has direct line of communication with the 
levels of command above it and below it. If every one of those levels has extreme ownership over what it is that they are responsible for, that's how you build a real unit that can work together. So granted, this is me trying to put it in a nutshell. Um, it was a powerful book. It made me feel like the things I'm worried about in my life really aren't even worth worrying about. You know, obviously we're talking about war. We're talking about the bravest men and women to, to, to really ever live, especially in such harsh environments like that and being able to keep your cool and stay calm in the moment and uh, still maintain a level of uh, cognitive functioning while everything around them is in such chaos. I, I think all of us respect the men and women in the military, but I think we take it for granted. And uh, when you read this book, you get introduced to some of the realities behind exactly what it is that these, these people do for us. And it, it was very powerful. So there it is. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Bobbin. Next up on the list is a little bit of a double whammy. This is two books by two separate authors, but they're both basically about the same thing. So the first, first book is I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And the second book is Unshakable by Tony Robbins. I was never a huge Tony Robbins fan. Um, I've grown to be much more of a Tony Robbins fan over the last year and a half as I've really started to kind of research it. I think I had some preconceived notions about, you know, coaching and um, being like a motivational speaker. And the more I learned about him, the more I realized that he was a lot more than that. So um, let me start off by saying that if, if you're a little bit kind of jaded by the idea of Tony Robbins, please don't be because this book was great. So I'll repeat them one more time. I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi and Unshakable by Tony Robbins. Both of these books were about the power of long-term investing. It was really great. They both broke it down in... Um, well, well, first what they did is they taught you about the market. And that was really important because I grew up, you know, real blue collar, kind of more or less paycheck to paycheck. And even just the idea of investing money was very, very foreign to me and my family. Uh, there's a lot of families like that, I think, where they see investing as like this higher level sort of business adventure that is sort of reserved for the elite. And I realize now that that's a lot of stuff that I was kind of making up in my own mind, probably because I was intimidated and fearful of the stock market. And these books and the lessons that they taught us really made it seem simple and manageable so that I didn't see the market as this giant pit of like endless, endless amounts of cash. I actually was able to understand the system behind it and understand why stocks behave the way they do and why bonds behave they do and like even just what those are. So at the end of the day, what these books did was they taught me about index funds. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and, and teach you what an index fund is and how it's different than a hedge fund and how it's different than a mutual fund and how all three of those are different from stocks and bonds. But I will say that index funds it was argued by these two authors 
are the safest, most reliable source of growing your money through the long term in the market. There's always ups and downs in the market. And so trying to time the market by short end by short term stocks is very, very volatile. And it's also just very, very difficult. Um, even in hedge funds, you know, you're talking about multi-billion dollar hedge funds. When you actually break down the success that these hedge funds have had, it's uh it's minimal. You know, I, I'm sure that some are better than others, but the majority of cross the board of short term stock market trading is uh not that great because it's very difficult because no matter how much you think you know about the market you can't predict the future and and trying to do so it is argued by these two authors and uh i'm i'm also convinced that trying to do so is just a bad idea because then you're living in fear of it. So then you have a market crash and what's everybody do? They take their money, they take their money out. When the reality is that on downswings is when all the opportunity is, especially if you're investing long term. So if you invest in index funds, basically what you're doing is you're investing in the market as a whole. And um over the pa- over like the length of the stock market, it has always gone up a little bit year after year. Again, there are downswings. There are downswings. It's not always a bull market. But the beautiful thing about this long-term investing strategy is that over the course of a long time, you're, the, I don't want to say guaranteed because nothing's guaranteed, but the likelihood of you making money on your investments through index funds are very, very high. It was a great book. Both of them went into other things. They went into, you know, 401ks and IRAs and the difference between SEP IRAs and Roth IRAs and they got into got into credit cards and it was great. It was a real education for me to learn about some of these financial um strategies that I was always a little bit intimidated by and uh I highly recommend them. If you're interested in the stock market, if you're interested in investing, which by the way, you should be because there's no better way to make money and to save for retirement than investing. That's not my opinion. That's a proven fact. Long-term investing is the way to go because day after day, just through inflation alone, your money is losing value. So if you're not using your money to make more money, then you're losing money. It's just the way that the numbers work. So if this is something that you're interested in, definitely go read these books Take a month or two to educate yourself before you make any decisions and then start slow. Open up an IRA, open up you know some kind of investment account um, and just start slow. Great books. I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi and Unshakable by Tony Robbins. <clears throat> All right, so these last three are the real, real moneymaker books. These three books are the ones that impacted me most in my life, my career, and also just as a human being. The first one is the E-Myth, especially the revisited version. So if you just Google the E-Myth, the letter E-Myth, you'll see one that uh, has revisited in parentheses. By that one, the E-Myth revisited by Michael Gerber. Man, this was a great book. This is a book that every business owner needs to read. 
straight up. If you own a business, you need to read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's short. Um, it's conversational. It's simple. And the message behind it is that if you start a business, eventually you need to get out from working in the business and start working on the business. And the way that you do that is you build systems. You build systems that are well-documented, well-rehearsed, well-practiced, and that everybody understands so that you can remove yourself from the ins and outs of running a business. So let's say that you open a bakery. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's say you open a bakery, and it's just you. You're a one-man shop, and you're doing the baking, you're doing the selling, you're doing the accountant. Once you start making some money, the first thing to do is you hire somebody to take one of those positions. But before you hire somebody, you create the system so that no matter who it is that you hire, regardless of their qualifications or their education, they can jump into this system perfectly. And then over time, you can systematically build these systems one at a time, one at a time, and get yourself out from under it so that you, as the business owner, don't have to worry about the business itself running as an entity, but rather being able to grow the entity exponentially. It is so important to have this kind of mindset. Without this kind of mindset, that's how you get stuck being a baker that's still baking the cakes every day. Look, if that's what you want to do, if you just love baking, I'm not in a position to, to tell you otherwise. But what Michael Gerber it would argue is that if the idea is to grow a business, then whatever the service or product that you provide, you want to be able to grow it on a relatively exponential level. And you can't do that if you're still baking the cakes. It's a super simple read. And it's really like what I just broke down is what the book is about. But in the E-Myth and in the, the chapters, he goes into more detail on like how to actually do that. It's not like a philosophical type book. It's a real step-by-step, -step, do this, do this, do this, in this exact order type book. It like gives you the directions. And I love books like that because uh, just because I feel that there's so much hyperbole in the world today that when somebody actually tells you exactly step-by-step step what to do, you need to take advantage of that. So go, look, if you own a business, go buy The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, read it, and just do exactly what he tells you to do. Don't get fancy. Don't try to create your own method. Just do exactly what he tells you to do, and you're going to reap some serious benefits. All right, second to last book. The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey. Let me just say, I'm almost positive that you pronounce his last name Covey. It might be Covey. I'm not sure. I should know that. I apologize for not knowing that. Again, this was a really great book. This book got into a whole lot. Um, there's a lot in it. And it was super, super impactful on my life as an entrepreneur and a business owner, but also just as a person as a human being that's trying to kind of improve um, myself in all capacities every day. So there's one specific example in this book that stuck out to me the most. And granted, this is just one tiny example. 
in a book just jam-packed with useful information. But the time management matrix is something that Stephen Covey breaks down. And it was great. It, it really, really stuck with me. And it was really easy to understand. And it, it really helped me in, um, in everyday situations. So read the book and read the section on the time management matrix because it's difficult to explain over a podcast because there's a little chart. And uh, what I'll do is again in the show notes of the blog, I'll I'll paste um I'll, I'll paste this picture in there. But so what he argues is that there's four different sections. Um, there's levels of importance and there's levels of urgency in how we manage our care. And most of our time is spent in section one, three, and four. So one is urgent and important. That means that like your house is on fire. Obviously, that's important and you want to manage that. But if all you're doing all day, every day is you're putting out fires, then you're not actually getting to any of the work. Section three is not important and not urgent. So that means just everyday stuff that that we do that's basically a waste of time. But section two is important and not urgent. So that's the things that we do on a daily basis that actually make progress. And we spend too little time doing these tasks, these day in and day out tasks that actually bring us further in life. And we spend too much time putting out fires, running around without any actual agenda, driving back and forth to do errands and get groceries and and things that need to get done. But where we need to spend the majority of our time in order to actually get somewhere is section two. And unfortunately, that's where we spend the least amount of our time because it's important, but it's not urgent. So example, this podcast right now, it's important for me to record these episodes. If I want to grow this brand and this uh, company that I'm working on and my personal brand, timstods.com, I need to be able to record these episodes. It's very, very important, but it's not urgent because if I don't do it, nothing's going to happen. You know, nobody's going to get hurt. There's not going to be any like negative consequences. I'm just not going to get to where I want to go. So it's the important but not urgent work that we need to be doing day in and day out that we do the least amount of. There's so much more to this book than the time management matrix. It's like, God, it's such a good book. It's a really, really great book. Please read it. Last but not least, the single most important book that I've ever read in my entire life is called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So what Napoleon Hill did is he took a, a, a long time, I think it was 10 or 20 years, and he interviewed some of the world's most successful people. So in that list is, uh, I, I think Carnegie was sort of his mentor. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a mentee of Carnegie. Excuse me, let me make sure I, I pronounce his name right. Who was uh, obviously the big steel tycoon in Pittsburgh. And uh, he studied what these people did that allowed them to be so successful. So other examples are um, Abe Lincoln was an example of him. And uh, Charles Schwab was also an example. 
and he broke it down into 13 steps. But the thing that's so beautiful about this book is he defines success in a lot of different ways. Like obviously business and and financial success is important, but he allows you to create your own definition of success. And the underlying theme behind the book is one that I'm not going to tell you because in the book it's a secret that you have to essentially discover for yourself. But it's really has this like connotation, especially with, with the first step, which is desire. And the second step is faith. But it has this connotation about belief and how important belief actually is in achieving your goal. And an, an almost like obsessive type quality where you just know you're going to do whatever it is that you have to do to achieve your goal. And, and by the way, within the book, he says over and over again that it's not necessarily about working hard. It's about having specific agendas. So what he would want you to do is, is he would want you to write down exactly what you want, exactly when you want it, and what you're going to do to get it. And then you read it every day when you wake up and you read it every day when you go to bed so that the entirety of your life is essentially dedicated to this achievement that you want. And some people read it and they think, oh, that's not how I want to live my life. I want more of a balance. And you know what? That's fine for them. But the fact of the matter is that the people that all of us look up to and that we all remember live their life in this kind of way where they have a real specific agenda and they have a real specific set of steps that they're going to take to get it. It's also a very spiritual book. Um, Napoleon Hill talks a lot about, you know, tapping into a power greater than yourself. And again, he doesn't define it. What he calls it in the book is infinite intelligence. And I think that's a really beautiful way to look at a higher power in whatever your conception is. Infinite intelligence and how to use that energy and channel it and use every second, not necessarily running around frantically, but even in just like your belief in believing in every second that you can get to where you want to go. And wherever that is, is fine. You know, maybe you want to run a sprint in a certain amount of time, or maybe you want to pick up a certain amount of weight or maybe you want to make a certain amount of money or help a, a, a specific type of person or have some kind of impact in the world. It doesn't matter. But when you read this book, you're going to be able to take all the energy that's buzzing around all of us in a million different directions and you're going to be able to funnel it and cone it so that it all points in a real specific place. And now all of yourself, all of your being and all of your energy is going to one spot. And it's phenomenal. Easily the most important book I've ever read. I've read it, I don't even know how many times. A lot of times I just pick it up in the middle of the night and just read a chapter. Or I'll just take it around with me in my book bag and I'll just started a page and I'll just read it from time to time. The whole book from start to finish, like every single paragraph in that book is so meticulously written with such purpose behind it. And, uh, and the impact that it had on my life is, is really immeasurable. So that's it guys. 
that's it. Again, go to Tim Stodd's FM to uh, see the links to these books. Please do yourself a favor and read more. It'll make you smarter. Stop watching YouTube videos all the time. Stop watching The Voice. I mean, Game of Thrones is pretty awesome, but the fact is that Game of Thrones isn't really adding that much value to your life. So have your time on Sunday to watch Game of Thrones. But in between that, pick up a book. Read some stuff. Learn some stuff. Get some new perspectives on the world. Try to see the world from somebody else's point of view. You will be a better person because of it. One more time, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave me a rating on iTunes. Please shoot me an email if you want to talk to me or if you want to be a guest on the podcast. You can reach me at Tim at Stodzy, S-T-O-D-Z-Y dot com. Guys, as always, I really, really appreciate you listening. I appreciate everybody that's ever said a kind word to me through email and through social media. Um, I can't tell you enough how much those words mean and how much it kind of gives me the fuel to to keep going forth with this little project that I have. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Later.